Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with my girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes we get distracted for like 20 minutes before the episode actually starts and talk about, I don't know, different places named Rome in the United States. They would have never known otherwise. I know, but this is funnier. wrestling yes that thing we're here for <laughs> the wrestlemen and women and non-binary people oh and we're going to talk about all kinds of people today we're going to talk about men we're going to talk about women we're going to talk about non-binary performers and how much we love them all anyway <laughs> where would you like to get started do we want to start with the two quick things from Dark and BTE that we wanted to highlight this week? Yeah, sure. We can do that. So last week on BTE, we had the whole... No, it wasn't BTE. It was Dynamite they did this. Yes. It looked like a BTE segment, but they did it on Dynamite, where Hangman got thrown out of the elite for his attitude. Unilaterally by the Young Bucks, which realistically... I feel like you should have to have a majority vote for something like that. And it's also very ironic considering the guy wanted to leave a year ago. They wouldn't let him. They're like, you're not allowed to leave. You can't, you can't hang men elsewhere. So you don't let someone leave. You get angry at their attitude and then you kick them out. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. So we had had that last week, and this week we had a little update from that showing the stress and strain it took on everyone else involved. So you've got Matt and Nick flying back home, seeing their kids, very heavy, dramatic music playing. You don't actually see Hangman in this, just the clips from Dynamite. But we do see Kenny. Sitting in his car, acting very, uh, to put an apt description on it that Aaron, you will have to finish Twin Peaks to understand. <laughs> He's got a very sort of how's Annie attitude about him. Okay, I see, I hear you. So we have Kenny looking into his rearview mirror. And then we have Kenny with aviators looking in his rearview mirror. That's right. Kenny Omega is doing a either a Dave Strider or Gideon Nav cosplay for Halloween this year. I hope it's Gideon Nav. No, I think Kenny Omega is a homestuck. Aaron, I have bad news for you. You're a homestuck? No, it's even worse news than that. Tamsin is a homestuck. So technically, technically, the Locktomb trilogy doesn't exist without homestuck. Hmm. Hmm. I haven't even started Harrow yet. <laughs> I haven't even bought Harrow yet. <laughs> Oh, but Aaron, the memes are so good. <laughs> so yeah, we get a pretty definite hint that we're getting the cleaner back in AEW. Yes. I just really like, I really like heel Kenny, especially when he just plays like, he does the arrogant asshole very well. 
Like, I, I mean, like, it, it may just be that he does it really well in Japanese, though. I, mm-hmm. Even translate, he does pretty well. Yeah, there's, I, I guess, like, the thing is, because, like, with, with English, you don't have the same, like, different degrees of formality to speech that you do with Japanese. So you can't be as evocative with, like, you know, there's only one word for I. You don't have different words for I depending on your attitude. So, like. But at the same time, he's really got his cadence for Cleaner Kenny down pat. True. So, like, he can get over with that, I think. I just don't know if it'll be the same as Kenny, the Kenny Omega, who says shit in Japanese that's like, Ure! Because he talks like a video game villain. We talked about this last week. Because he he talks like an anime character. Yep. And it's pretty great. Now, there is one other fallout from this that we're seeing in that we've kind of got a potential heel swing for, like, all of the elite. And as we know, it is called All Elite Wrestling. It's like I planned that. <laughs> I actually didn't. Because, yeah, you've got the Young Bucks acting like jackasses. You've got Hangman being an anxious millennial cowboy who's going to clothesline some bitches. And hoes. And Cleaner Kenny isn't technically a face. He might be an AEW, but I don't know. I think Kenny Omega in AEW is kind of a face right now. Yeah. We've also been getting DDT Kenny. Yeah. Much more fun-loving, much more energetic. Okay, so my thing is, like, the way that they've been able to execute these heel turns, I think in large part due to the fact that there isn't a crowd. Or at least not a significant crowd. Yeah, having less, you can you can dictate it by the performance you have at ringside then. Because they're more likely to take instruction than fans. Yes. With a crowd, like a legitimate crowd, you know, you have the people who just adore kenny omega yeah and he can't quite get heat the same way mm-hmm. you know like he does something heelish and he still gets shine <laughs> it's kenny omega and also that is kind of the AEW audience because they are born from the more indie thought pattern of liking the performer over the storyline or the promotion mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how it goes so then we had one thing we wanted to talk about from Dark before we start talking about the indie stuff from this week and for tomorrow. Yeah, so I actually liked Dark on Tuesday this week because they had some good matches. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not really worth mentioning, you know, Kip Sabian or Abaddon or Santana Ortiz. Because we had the initiative out for a match against Private Party. And they lost, of course. And then Peter Avalon attacked Brandon Cutler with a giant D20. Good. First of all, good for Peter. He deserves better. He's going to win. Second of all, D&D sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wish I watched their D&D show this week, just because Avalon and Cutler are both on it. Okay, so is the D&D show, like, obviously they're still, like, using their character names and everything like that. But is it still in character? Like, is Orange Cassidy still Orange Cassidy? I actually haven't watched it. That's because D&D actual plays aren't that fun. 
And also it starts at like midnight Eastern time. Yeah, because they fucking use critical role time. Yeah. At this point in the recording, Kat got off into an extended rant that really didn't have anything to do with what we were talking about. I've had to remove it, but if you want to hear things like this, check out Marking Out With My Girlfriend, recorded live on twitch.tv slash so says media, Fridays at 7pm Eastern Standard Time. We have wrestling to talk about though, don't we? Yeah. Drink pumpkin spice is what I'm saying. Enjoy things that taste good because you enjoy them. I also did just take an Advil because my head does hurt. I apologize. I did drink one beer like two out at like an hour before the show and it entirely fucked me up because i've mostly been smoking for the last like three <laughs> weeks so i haven't had any alcohol and it's like hmm, uh, no drinking better make this difficult for you anyway wrestling wrestling what were we talking about we're talking about how dnd sucks that's not wrestling <laughs> yes it is because i'm taking the side of peter okay i'm gonna take the side of cutler then because he's the face and that's my role in this podcast yes it is it was a cowardly attack all it did was show avalon's fragility that he couldn't get things his way he wasn't going to work for it i disagree it's i think it's a matter of working smarter not harder (laughs) okay but he couldn't even do that he kept hitting cutler with all of his cheating (laughs) whose fault is that Avalon's for cheating. Brandon for being in the way. Now, being serious, I was hoping this would lead to a match on the pre-show tomorrow night. So one of them actually gets a win. Yeah, because, okay, here's the thing with Cutler and Avalon and their entire angle being both of them trying to get a win before the other guy. Mm -hmm. You can only have one match. Yeah. Because as soon as one of them gets a win, that feud is over. Unless. Unless it goes to a draw. You have to say unless. You're supposed to lead me in on that one. Unless. unless. It's like trying to do warm-up games before chicks with dice. <laughs> I moved my eyebrows. Erica pointed it out. You should be able to tell when I'm about to talk. <laughs> your your eyebrows are stuck up tonight because you're drunk. I, no, it's because I'm smiling. <laughs> Unless. Unless. They both get DQ'd. That's the same as a draw. (laughs) That's what I just said. (laughs) I know, but you're supposed to lead me in on this. Oh my god, this episode's a mess. Okay. I'm not actually sure how they're going to end up doing this feud. So, we'll see. Okay, so that's all we want to talk about with Dark and BTE, yes? Yes, just those two points. Okay, so then we've got a couple of indie things that we want to talk about before we get to dynamite which was a big dynamite this week it was busy yes e- even for a going home show Hmm. so the first thing that we want to talk about is that you should all tomorrow at 5 p.m twitch.tv i think it's twitch.tv slash go professional wrestling poly cult party 2 Featuring, obviously, the Poly King himself, MV Young, in a match against Josh Wells for the Ringlight Championship. If Josh Wells loses, they have to join the Poly Cult. Now, they have agreed to this. It is all consensual. 
Because you always ask Envy for consent. Or he punches you. Yeah. Who else is going to be at this thing? Billy Dixon, Ziggy Haim, Effie, Jody, Still Life, among others. Molly McCoy will be there. Pinky Sanchez. A decent selection of former Chikara performers. And then your typical queer indie performers. Yeah. Uh, It is going to be a pretty good show, I think. And I'm looking forward to it. So am I. I don't know if Molly's going to debut the Go Birds gear or not, but we'll see. Oh, they were still working on the last time we saw it, weren't they? Yeah, but I, they finished it. They oh, posted they? a finished okay. picture on Twitter. I didn't see that then. The most important thing about this adventure of Polly Cold Party 2 is that there will be an appearance by Jim fucking Sterling. <laughs> yes, there will be. And Jim Sterling is so excited. That he's going to finally kiss MV. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was the entirety of his promo. Yes. Basically. Jim Sterling playing Sterling, his villain character. Who looks like Starman from the NES wrestling game. Yes. <laughs> I love it personally. I think it looks great. It's amazing. Anyway, watch Polycult Party 2 before you watch fucking All Out. We are going to be watching All Out, right? And Polly Cult Party 2. Okay. So we're going to be talking about that next week then. Yeah, I need to figure out a time to record with Kira tomorrow. <laughs> oh, good luck on that. Which means I need to watch one of Gremlins, Ghoulies... No, sorry, not Gremlins. Ghoulies, Munchies, the other one, and Hobgoblins. <laughs> for Unsound Theories for the months of September and October, we'll be doing a very special four-part Gremlins ripoff Halloween special. Oh god. Critters? Yes. Critters is a weird one. I know. Like, more weird than the other ones. (laughs) I I understand that. So anyway, Gremlin ripoff. Oh, the other indie stuff we wanted to talk about. Was this week's live premiere, not live, pre-tape premiere of Camp Leapfrog. Yeah, this was a get-together of the... Chikara kids, as they've dubbed themselves. <laughs> Which, like, is a thing that they've talked about that they kind of deserve to give themselves... They deserve to give themselves a bit more credit. Yes, they were all Wrestle Factory trained and everything like that. But, like, you know, they're all very talented performers on their own and of their own merit, regardless of where they were trained. They should, you know... Like, I don't know. I feel iffy about them, about the direct association with Chikara. Counterpoint. Throughout the history of Chikara, it was always said that Chikara is more the attitude that goes into the product and the fans that enjoy the product. Now, them doing that is just picking up that legacy that they started with and loved and dumping off all the bullshit that no longer is that's my understanding okay i'm 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 in on that then i'm i'm if you'll forgive the very bad turn of phrase i'm all in (laughs) excellent you know i i really i i you know that's that's perfect and you know getting to watch all of them perform again was a real delight i love watching them all work yeah watching oreo speedwagon do all of their moves was just so so much fun 
So do we want to go through the card? I would love to. So the basic overall arc for the show was Ethan Wilde is trying to shut down Camp Leapfrog for whatever he thinks is going on. We find out during the during the episode that they're making moonshine to fund the place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is very much not a Chikara show. No, they swore. <laughs> One of the first words said on screen was shit. <laughs> Chucky T would be proud. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. So yeah, there's that whole overarching arc of that. Eventually, they don't shut it down because Sam Letourneau, who is one of the IWTV correspondents who worked very closely with Chikara before, takes all of the moonshine and leaves, <laughs> saying she'll be back later. <laughs> it was just like very, very heartwarming to see all of them being able to perform again. More importantly, we got introduced to Still Life's dog, I believe is a Jack Russell. I think so. I'm not really sure. I can't tell small dogs apart that well i it's a jack russell my parents have a jack russell okay it's yappy <laughs> yes because it's a jack russell <laughs> i i would kevin is an adorable dog but having dealt with jack russells for years because that's what my parents have sometimes they're not very smart a lot of the time they're not very smart and they're very yappy yep whenever i went over to my parents house I had to expect to not be able to talk to them for the first 10 to 20 minutes because their dog Tess would just constantly bark at me. Oh, no. Interestingly, she barked less after I started transitioning. She knew something was up. No, she just didn't feel threatened by my smell anymore. That's fair. But yes, Kevin is adorable and a welcome addition to the crowd. A wonderful manager. Yes. <laughs> So, what was our first match? Our first match was Devontae's versus Deshaun Pratt. Devontae's was a member of the Crucible before. Yes. We can skip over describing Deshaun Pratt, who has some problematic past. They got into an argument about making friendship bracelets, Mm -hmm. which led to a match, which it was a great match. Devontae's is a very good hostile wrestler. Deshaun is a very good speed style wrestler. It was a fun match to watch, though. Like, I I enjoyed it for what it was. And, you know, like, hostile wrestling is enjoyable to watch for a reason. Yeah. It's it's very elegant in simplicity. Mm -hmm. To quote his royal bigness, Big E, big meaty men slapping meat. Yep, pretty much. (laughs) And you know what? There's something pretty great about that. So Deshaun does end up picking up the win here. And that takes us to a segment of Tug of War mm-hmm. with the teams of Green Ant, Thief Amp, Ant, and Boomer Hatfield taking on Cajun Crawdad, Hermit Crab, and I can't remember who else. I can't remember their third member. I think each team was four members and Boomer was the coach, too. Oh, then I'm definitely missing people. Yeah, I, I, I apologize for missing those people. They deserve their credit but it was mostly the tug of war was a setup for a match between the former tag partners Cajun Crawdad and Hermit Crab. After Crawdad starts flirting with Sam Letourneau which causes his team to lose. Because both of them are wearing rompers. (laughs) Which is wonderful. Cajun Crawdad looked incredible in that romper. 
Yeah, he did. It was such a good romper. Like, I want that romper. <laughs> it, it was very summer looking. So yeah, out of that, we get a bull rope match using the tug of war rope. And they kind of just beat each other with that for a while before starting an actual match. Mm-hmm. Where some of the highlights I wrote down here were a Canadian destroyer on the outside where they got the rope tied up in the pole and kind of didn't hit the destroyer because Crawdad snapped back a bit <laughs> on the return. Mm-hmm. But Crawdad can also hit a Van Terminator. So that's impressive. No, it was very impressive. I, I like, I, you know, like it was also a funny match. Like they brought out the seashells and everything like that. <laughs> yes, they did. And they used them. They used the seashells. So like, I, I, I like that they're able to still like, you know, have fun with their matches in a way that is very Chikara. Okay. Do you know what move they used on the seashells? What night was this? This was Wednesday night. No, I was exhausted from playing in an RPG before that. So I don't remember a lot. <laughs> It was a fisherman brain buster from the top rope. That's right. Because why <laughs> wouldn't it be a fisherman anything? If you can get puns in your wrestling name, do it. So yeah, eventually Cajun Crawdad does get the win with a crucifix pin here. Yes. And coming out of this, I just want everyone to know to give Hermit Crab a death match. That's all he wants. It is important <laughs> to note Hermit Crab does hate you. He really does. For very specific reasons that I found out. Aaron, why does Hermit Crab hate you? Because friendly, pirate, and calyx are words that don't go together in any sentence. And that's my Twitter handle right now. Oh, God. And it's my Twitter handle because that's the one the calyx gave me. Mm-hmm. Back when calyx was handing out different calyx names for people who weren't quite as big as big calyx. So we go to another pre-taped segment. At the uh, barbecue, Mm -hmm. where the tag team of the runway wants to know if the burgers they're preparing are vegan, which is a very important question. Yes, I was rooting for the runway who were ostensibly the heels because they deserve to have veggie burgers. It's not that hard to provide, really. They usually come in packs of like four. So you're going to go through them. (laughs) It really isn't. They're not expensive. Like, especially if you get the Boca burgers, the vegan originals are only like 70 calories. You can eat like four of them. Yeah, I have. Don't ask. <laughs> I, I I, won't. Okay, so. So. That match was a lot of fun. It was two big men versus two twinks. Yep. The runway make, made up of Tyler Klein and Calvin Couture against, I didn't get their team name but Ron Voyage and Trajan Horn. Yeah. Well, it happened again. Be sure to tune in Friday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, twitch.tv slash so says media, to actually hear what happens in these distractions. Anyway, we have wrestling to talk about still. (sighs) Okay, where were we talking about? We had just finished talking about the match between... No, we had just started talking about the veggie (laughs) burger battle. So yeah, there's a whole tag match here where the runway gets pantsed and slapped on the ass, further proving this isn't a Chikara show. Nope. (laughs) And for the first time in the show, you can hear Kevin in the background. 
yapping away. <laughs> now it was. It's worth noting that that wasn't the Cajun Crawdad match. The Cajun Crawdad versus Hermit Crab match. I think no, it was the first match of the of of the event. Yeah, Devante's match. You could see in the very background of the shot for the people who were really paying attention to the background, like weirdos. That still life was petting their dog over by the pool. I was like, oh, look, still life is petting a puppy. And I tweeted about it. And they were like, that's my dog, Kevin. And I was like, Kevin's adorable. Tell him I love them. <laughs> we love Kevin. He's wonderful. Anyway. So, yeah, back to this. Yes. So eventually this ends up in a double camel clutch on the runway who both tap giving the win to Ron Voyage and Trajan Horn. So then our next match was the half-court basketball grudge match. Was it? Or was the basketball match after the nighttime match? Yes, that we had an Are You Afraid of the Dark segment. That's right. That led into Killian getting jumped by Violence. Yes, there's a masked wrestler named Violence. He's like a boogeyman of the camp. Violence is if Carnage from Spider-Man was Warhorse. Yeah, that that's a very good way of describing him. Like, there's no other way to describe this look other than if Carnage from Spider-Man was Warhorse. Yeah, so this was a shot-on-video nighttime match lit by flashlights. Yeah, so, like, it had film grain and everything. If they went too far away from the camera, you didn't see anything until the flashlights catched up. Mm-hmm. Caught up, whichever. It's okay. I wasn't going to be butt about it. It was very... It was such a fun match, though. Like It was silly as hell. Yeah. And the commentary over top of it was, I believe, Brad Rush talking about how like it's nine o'clock on a friday night when they film this so there's no counselors on duty right now keeping up the kayfabe that they were at a summer camp summer camp for adult wrestlers i'd go just to be perfectly honest i mean you are a former wrestler oh my background career my backyard career i'm glad i destroyed that evidence (laughs) it was so bad like poorly executed irish whip bad or like oh we didn't even irish whip We, we didn't have ropes or anything. Oh, okay. Could you drop kick? No. I, I did a Russian leg sweep. Okay. No, you, you, know, you know what the big moment of that video was? What was it? I took a chair shot from a wooden chair. <laughs> what the fuck, Aaron? That's what my mom said. Backyard pro bad? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're looking at backyard pro bad. So we should get back on topic. Okay. It's been an hour. <laughs> I know it has. There's a lot to be cut out from this. <laughs> That's fine. Now we get to... Oh, and in the end, Killian goes through a door and Violence picks up the win here. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the 3v3 basketball game. Finally, the one that I've been wanting to talk about. <laughs> We've got to do it in order. No, we don't. We really don't. <laughs> I just want to talk about the Are You Afraid of the Dark stuff. <laughs> the Are You Afraid of the Dark stuff was good. I didn't watch Are You Afraid of the Dark as a child because, in fact, I was. So I didn't want to tempt fate. I I fucking loved that show. Thinking back, it's cheesy as hell, but I fucking loved that show. So yeah, we had two teams with Xavier Faraday 
Vita Von Starr and Joshua Wells taking on Molly McCoy, Matt Mikowski, and Travis Huckabee. Which was a very good match. Like, first of all, we appreciate intergender wrestling on this podcast. Because fucking do it. Because it's good. I mean, like, but it was just, it's kind of, you know, it was kind of funny watching a literal former MMA guy with the Chikara kids. Yeah, so that's the thing, though. He's he's a Bellator guy, like Hagar is. So you have two people from from Bellator. One goes off and has a hell of a time with wrestling. The other's kind of a jackass. <laughs> but like, okay, so this match was really exciting. Yes, as trios matches tend to be. I mean, like, watching Oreo Speedwagon work, like I said, was amazing. Yes, because it's been a while since we've seen that. But, I, I mean, like, let's, to be honest, one of the things that, like, I, because of the way that the Crucible storyline worked out, Xavier Faraday wasn't allowed to wrestle in Chikara for, like, the first year that he was with the promotion. So we missed out on a lot of potential wrestling time from... Mm-hmm particularly from oreo speedwagon and i was like it was a not insignificant loss to being able to watch him and them perform because both of them are really good yeah but at the same time the crucible storyline was incredible one of the best in the last five ten years and a lot of that has to do with the way that the people who worked on it xavier faraday especially mm-hmm because he put his all into that storyline for no fucking money. Like, yep. they didn't get paid for it. Yeah, they were still students at that time, I believe. Most of them, yeah. Yeah. So, like, it makes me more mad at WWE again. Yeah, fuck. That said, the ripcord armbar from an Argentine backbreaker rack. I saw that and my jaw dropped. I didn't know what to make of that at first. It was, uh, it was just, first of all, it was so beautifully executed. Like, conceptually as a move, great. Love it. Yeah, it sounds cool. It sounds cool. It looks cool. But, like, this was just so perfectly clean. Like, you'd get a thousand bonus points in Tony Hawk for how perfect that <laughs> landing was. I've been playing Tony Hawk today, in case you can't tell. Oh, my God. <laughs> But yeah, everything about it was so crisp. Like how he got, a, like how how he got risk control, how he got him up, how he threw him, and um, Xavier Faraday spun. Like everything about it was perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it was just it was a fun match to watch. It was just really good. Yeah. At one point, Molly brings in a stick, tries to hit a few people around. She tries again later in the match, but gets caught and has to put it away. Yeah. No, Molly does get caught trying to cheat. <laughs> Why do all my faves gotta cheat? Because that's how you win. Because you're a heel. That is the entire dynamic of our tag team. You're the heel and I'm the face. Because that's how you win. Instead of being the initiative, we could be the force of destiny. <laughs> so in the end of this one, Oreo Speedwagon and, and Vita Von Star do pick up the win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it was a lot of fun to watch. It's one of those things where like, I love tag team wrestling, as we've talked about. And I love trios matches, and I'm glad AEW put some of them on. I wish they would go back to that over the eight-man tags. Eight-man tags only. Nick, Matt, seriously, I'm sorry. Please stop. 
Aaron tweeted something like, anytime AEW wants to change over to an all-tag team wrestling company, I'll watch twice as hard or something like that. Well, yeah, because we were talking about how the depth of their tag team roster is such that they have main event tag teams and mid-card tag teams and curtain opener tag teams and dark match tag teams. Mm-hmm. So... I replied to that tweet, a finger curls on the monkey's paw. They're only eight-man tag matches. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. But they're impossible to watch. It might as well be a battle royal. Yeah, speaking of battle royals, we have a couple more matches to talk about. I can't believe Frog. So, Drew, let's... What was the next match? The next match was... Uh, Sam Letourneau shows up while everyone's eating and shouts, Food Fight. And still life with apricots and pears and cheeseburgers stand up and leave. And then they have a match. (laughs) (laughs) And then they have a match. So it's important to note here, right before we start with this match, is Cheeseburger is, I believe, the head trainer for one of ROH's dojos. No, Cheeseburger is very good. We should probably also note Cheeseburger was trained by Jushin Thunderlager. Yeah. That's huge. He's got a lot of history. He knows what he's doing in there. And it shows, and it also shows just how well along Still Life has come. No, Still Life has definitely become an incredible wrestler. And, like, that match was a lot of fun to watch. It was also an interesting match because they were doing, what, three-minute rounds? Yeah, they were doing five three-minute rounds, or until the winner was decided. And I liked how they broke this down, mm-hmm. like at, with the flow of the match, where the first round was a very smooth counterfest that went on, and it was very back and forth. The second round, Cheeseburger was a lot more in charge, mm-hmm. and actually walked away from the match at one point, and then ran back in and got a clothesline, kind of like the spot from Talking Shop of Mania. <laughs> yes. Except not dumb. <laughs> Right, well done. Like a good cheeseburger should be, because you don't want raw ground chuck. No, you really don't. That stuff's pretty gross. But in round three, we saw Still Life with Apricots and Paris really start to make their comeback. Mm-hmm. And in the fourth, we actually saw Still Life with Apricots and Pears beat Cheeseburger. I don't care what show that's on, if it's a one-time IWTV exclusive, if it's a weekly show for millions that's a huge move yeah no so speaking of stalking them on twitter oh no um still life tweeted cajun crawdad is the best wrestler period cajun crawdad quote tweeted that and said when you're making millions i'm gonna bring this tweet back up and remind you (laughs) still life with outcasts and pairs has a huge future in this industry if some people can get over their Corey. if some people get over their stupid biases and look at the product they're able to make, there's nothing they can't do. Right, because it becomes complicated in companies that don't do intergender wrestling when you have a non-binary performer who is on a feminizing hormone replacement therapy routine. Mm-hmm. 
where do you have them wrestle? Okay, I need to I need to rant real quick on this one. I absolutely love Sunny Kiss. Sunny Kiss started in AEW using exclusively male pronouns. Got over. Then Sunny Kiss. Then act- says, actually, you could use both she and he pronouns for me. And the people at AEW back this on TV using she and her in matches. Mm-hmm. Sunny Kiss kind of stampeded through that wall of no intergender wrestling. <laughs> yeah. When you have a non-binary, I guess bi-gender, I don't know what their exact identity is. Sunny Kiss being some form of gender queer non-binary. Honestly, just being who like he is, she is. But like you know, I mean like she does a really good job. Yeah. And like it's just so great to see how much that it gets like kinda roved in Kode's face. <laughs> just a little bit. Especially when she has one of the best TNT title defenses that Cody ever put on. And now I think it was that title defense when JR started using she pronouns. I that I believe so, yeah. It was. So like it's just a lot of like really good little things about having but like at the same time Sunny Kiss also does only wrestle the men in AEW. Yes. Steps at a time. Oh. Steps. We're we're making inroads to eliminating gendered tag be- gendered belts altogether and just replacing them with good wrestler belts. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing weight classes be gone away in some places still, but I, I don't mind that as much. Right. Like, I, I mean, yes, it's all fake. I kind of get weight classes a little bit more than I get. You know, like, you know, weight classes make a little bit more sense than dividing it by gender just like you would with amateur wrestling it's divided up by weight class so that you know you have like versus like in terms of size although it is kind of funny how new japan is like the big one that still has a junior heavyweight and heavyweight Mm -hmm. titles but once a year they'll put on an exhibition match where the junior heavyweight champion faces off against (laughs) the heavyweight champion (laughs) yeah no like I would like it if they didn't relegate 205 Live to a fucking WWE Network streamed show. Yeah, you know what I watched when I had the WWE Network for like a week? I watched 205 Live. Mm-hmm. There was good stuff going on in there. Producer Aitsu points out that New Japan's weight classes work because of the never open weight belt. Yeah, that's true. Which is now being held by Minoru Suzuki, I believe. So... LAJ is only holding the heavyweight and the intercontinental titles now because Naito beat Evil a week ago, I believe so. Yes. Also, it's worth noting that NEVER is, I think, an acronym. It's an acronym of New Blood Evolution, Villanity Eternal Radical. (laughs) These are all words that make sense, I'm sure. (laughs) We don't question Japan. You know what? You do your wrestling and you do it well. Name your belts whatever you want, really. Japan loves making weird English word acronyms. Yeah. It's just a thing. 
they enjoy it, we'll let them enjoy it. Because we enjoy the wrestling. Yeah, definitely. So we're almost done with Camp Leaf Rock. <laughs> and an hour and a half into this fucking show. <laughs> the, the actual cosplay would be like 45 minutes at this point. <laughs> eh. So we had a poolside battle royale. Mm-hmm. Where the objective was to throw people into the pool. And it was a cluster. And it was fun to watch. You know, Sam Letourneau got a couple eliminations in this. Mm-hmm. She pushed the runway in. I believe Molly got a couple. I think Zero used a yearbook to hit someone over the head with. Yes. <laughs> you know, that was a contract. I'm not really sure. Either way, good for Zero. Yeah. We get to the end of it, and we've got a colony face-off between Thiefant and Green Ant. Thiefant gets thrown into the pool, but apparently Rhonda the Lunch Lady is still in the match. Also, she was in the match. <laughs> she eliminates Green Ant to win. Oh, God. It's Kipley Prog was fun. I hope they keep doing more. And then after that, we had the main event, which was Ethan Wilde against Brad Rush. Boomer Hatfield was out in Brad Rush's corner for this, mm-hmm. did get involved, and actually gave a three count because whoever wears a ref shirt is a ref by wrestling logic. Yes, those are the wrestling rules. If you're wearing a ref shirt, you are a ref. And then we closed out with Sam Letourneau leaving with the moonshine <laughs> to save the camp. I would think if you go to a wrestling match with a ref's uniform on. They'll just throw you in? No. You can, like, count from out in the crowd. One, two, three. I'm a ref. I honestly wish I had tried that. Okay, so, yeah, there used to be a place that did monthly shows over in Niagara Falls that I would go see with my wife. And I would actually show up in my generico mask. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there was one time where it got pointed out by one of the wrestlers it was like, this one's for you, Basque, and then threw a wrestler at me. <laughs> I was like, huh, good, good throw. I, I, thank you? <laughs> Why don't we head over to the mid-roll and find out? Mid-roll, mid-roll. Everybody's talking about the mid-roll. Mid-roll, mid-roll. It is really gay. Interior, the mess hall on the Orem. Man, it sure is great to wake up to a nice, refreshing cup of coffee. Wait, who are you talking to? My Plex. Our wonderful listeners, of course. (laughs) Course. Just like the coarse grind I get on my coffee from Grinding Coffee Co. What kind of spice are you on? Listeners? Coffee? (laughs) Why, the delicious spice of my medium roast Mexican chocolate coffee blend, my friend, delivered straight to our airlock in an airtight bag. The beans are as fresh as the day they were roasted. I'm so confused. You're not talking any sense. (laughs) I'm talking about Grindin' Coffee Co. Why don't you tell her and our dear listeners... A little bit more, Miss Narrator. Thanks, Space Dumpster. Grinding Coffee Co. is a black and LGBTQ plus owned coffee business that delivers coffee straight to your door. They have a coffee for everyone, from K-cups to cold brew to blended and more. This high quality taste will leave you wanting more. Available in whole bean, ground, or espresso grind. I did not sign up to be on a haunted ship. 
No matter what time you order, your coffee is always roasted the day it ships, so you're guaranteed fresh coffee. When you're ready to get yourself some fine coffee, head over to the referral link in the show notes and enter code SOSA as a checkout for 10% off your order. That's S-O-S-E-S at checkout for 10% off. Oh, what the actual criff. Okay, let's fucking tighten this up and talk about Dynamite. Dynamite, going home for all out. Okay, big news. Excalibur's back. Yes. Excalibur actually came back on Dark this week, but this was like his big return to Dynamite. He came back on Dark this week and also very heavily razzed Taz. (laughs) He had time to make up for. He just laid into Taz mercilessly. Yep. It was great. Taz had been getting an easy ride with Shivani, so Excalibur had to uh, snap him back into place. Watch Botchamania 417. For the gum club. The gum club. (laughs) It was... (laughs) Taz just being blissfully unaware that he had ever said the gum club. gosh it's so good okay how do we want to get through this show okay best friends versus santana and ortiz in a match that didn't start for like five minutes when everyone was out Mm because they wouldn't get in the ring Mm -hmm. (laughs) like chucky t set up this odd structure of chairs and specifically said he's going to kill santana with it and then he got (laughs) thrown through it of course i mean like yeah we've seen how good the best friends are with murdering their intended murder targets as i too is pointing out chucky murderizes himself (laughs) this one actually came down to a retractable baton that was hidden under the ring though Mm -hmm. like it looked like best friends were going to make a a comeback but got hit with the baton where rice couldn't see it and they got pinned Right, and like I like that this match can kind of be attributed to the best friends played themselves by trying to get too tough with it. Yep. Rather than sticking to what they know. They tried to go up for Proud and Powerful's game instead of their own. Exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know that Sue would have been proud of them for winning a match by using foreign objects to cheat. And trying to murderize people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although that's what they do on... BT. I wonder if Sue watches BT. Sue was on BTE when she joined the Dark Order <laughs> that one time. Mom, you can't join cults. <laughs> I straight up refuse to make any comments on the eight-man tag match. That's fair. Luchasaurus looked good. That's, that's fine. Aaron doesn't want to talk about the eight-man tag match. The Young Bucks suck in that they're assholes. And I hate them now. I know I'm supposed to like heels being the heel in are dynamic but they're just they're like mjf is self-important right like mjf has a big ego whatever it makes sense for him with the young bucks they're like goody two-shoes heels i just i don't like it i'm still very uncomfortable with the christian af angle yeah a little bit so anyway luchasaurus good jungle boy good jr called him jungle boy jack again ftr has a segment after this wait no sorry there is an orange cassidy segment oh yeah the orange one is very funny where hagar visits him in the back mm-hmm. and tells him it would be smart if you're out for jericho's match tonight mm-hmm. 
Orange Cassidy does a Harpo Marx routine. <laughs> a literal Harpo Marx routine. Would you like to explain the routine? And he puts his leg up on Hager's leg. <laughs> Hager sweeps it off. Like there's, I want to say it's in The Night in Casablanca, that Marx Brothers movie. But I don't remember. Been a while since I've seen anything but Duck Soup. Fair enough. I that that said, I have literally watched every single Marx Brothers movie. <laughs> I I believe you. When it, it's it's like the the running joke that I've had as my political beliefs on Facebook for the last like however long I've been on Facebook, let's say thirteen years, has been that my political beliefs are Groucho Marxist. <laughs> I do remember reading that. So yeah, Orange Cassidy does a Harpo Marx routine. It's very funny. I think they have keyed into something that's very good about Orange Cassidy's character in that his not talking allows them to do a lot of good physical comedy. Yep. In the same way that Marx Brothers did. It's just very good. The reason Harpo doesn't talk, by the way, fun story, Marx Brothers story time they got kicked out of a vaudeville theater for one reason or another, probably for being Jewish. And the last thing Harpo says to the guy who had just stiffed them after their performance is, I hope your fucking theater burns down. The next day, the theater had burned down, so they decided Harpo doesn't talk anymore. <laughs> Good policy. Also, he had to wear the blonde wig because if he didn't, he looked exactly like Chico. Like, they could, you couldn't tell them apart. Yeah. That's your Marx Brothers trivia for this episode. We had a backstage interview with FTR and Tully, mm -hmm. where Tully threw up uh, three fingers. That's two, cat. No, it's more like that. The shocker? Yeah, he threw up the shocker. <laughs> I went back and watched. It's like, that's that's not good, Tully. Don't do that. We gotta, we gotta get through the rest of this thing if you want a fourth horseman, because you can't keep doing that. Oh, was it ring? Whichever. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, whatever. Same point. Some people like butt stuff more. Yeah, that's fair. And then that led into Kenny's in-ring interview, which was very quickly interrupted by FTR, wanting to uh, come out and have a drink and mend bridges again. They even brought out chocolate milk. Yep. Omega basically tells them that they're both scumbags and he's kind of done with it so they might kick his ass out here but he'll get a few shots in mm -hmm. and this brings out Paige, who stares daggers into ftr because mm -hmm. Paige has kind of figured out for the last little bit that they're uh they might be gaslighting him a bit they might be using his anxieties against him mm -hmm. so yeah there's that whole stare down there's Dax actually cuts a very good promo here i mean ftr is yeah. They are so criminally underutilized. Them having time in the spotlight shows that they're really talented guys and just incredible wrestlers, too. Oh, yeah. They, they know what they're doing out there. They know how to get the reaction they want. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Dax cuts a promo calling... Or was it Cashing does? Did they pass back? I don't remember. Outright calling Paige a piece of shit. Uh, it's also worth noting that Hangman is sporting some, like, very light reddish eye makeup on his eyelids particularly his lid line mm -hmm. that makes it look like he's been crying 
Now, at the same time, this is Paige. He might have just started crying. I mean, yes, but I I think it's makeup. Because it would show up better. Yeah, they needed to show up on screen to communicate it. Because, like, stuff, obviously, stuff gets washed out. Yeah, very easily. So, yeah, FTR leaves. And at one point, the belt's been grabbed and dropped and all this. Paige picks them up and goes to hand Kenny his. And Kenny's already outside the ring. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow's going to be very interesting. New champions, FTR tomorrow. At the very minimum, I I still think there's a swerve in here with Paige and FTR to set up a force horseman. The swerve that I want to try, you're going to make a prediction. Aitsu, tell me if you think I'm right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the tell. <laughs> My prediction is, or at least how I would book it, is that Hangman and Omega win, but they get into a fight and vacate the title. And then we end up in a tournament for the tag titles. Mm-hmm. A tag team tournament would be really good. I know it would, and they have a lot better depth this year than when they did it before. Mm-hmm. It's something I would like to see, but I'm not sure they want to do three tournaments in one year. They're not quite New Japan. <laughs> but they are, like, you know, the Young Bucks and Kenny both did, I guess also Corey, all all four of them worked in New Japan. Like, <laughs> they, they, You can see the influence in the work, yes. Maybe they do have a bunch of tournaments. Maybe. Still calling Bucks and Kenny. It, it depends where they want to go with this. Because they could keep oh, Paige true. a face still. Especially with the Bucks and Kenny seeming to lean into more heel roles. So, okay. So, okay. what Maybe, here's, here's my thought. The Bucks interfere with the match. Beat up Hangman. Like Hangman did to their match. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kenny doesn't like that. He goes off on his own. Cleaner returns. Hangman gets shine from that. Yeah. Goes full face. And the Bucks turn heel. FTR gets upset because, you know, this was their match. They were going to win, blah, blah, blah. They wanted to win fair and square, everything like that. Yeah. You know, basically letting them kind of be faces too. Because thus far, what I've seen from FTR... I don't think they're heels. No, they, they are. They're very blunt. And the thing coming out of this is everything has built Paige up to be the baby face here. Uh-huh. He's the one who wanted to leave the elite to try it on his own. He's the one that was really invested in the tag team with Omega. Even when Kenny was saying like the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world or... Kenny started losing his control at the end of a few matches. You know, Paige is the one that seems to always take the kicking. Mm-hmm. Coming out of this, you could turn Paige heel no problem. But I don't think... Okay, going back to Revolution, end, end of the match against the Young Bucks, Paige seems to line up for a Buckshot Lariat. Mm-hmm. If you do that now with everything that's gone on, I'm not sure you get the heel reaction so much as people seeing it as a baby face finally having enough. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens tomorrow night, I'm very excited for it. And I kind of just want to take the ride. 
our next match was oh god what did what did Excalibur accidentally call him the data god <laughs> yes the data god Chris, Chris Jericho against Joey Janela which is the match that Orange Cassie was asked to be out for and he was Janela gets busted open like he gets beaten the match and then they take the padding off one of the turnbuckles and just bust him open mm-hmm. so that causes Orange to actually get into the ring but he gets double teamed by Jericho and Hagar and then Sonny comes out our beloved Sonny Kiss, who gives Jericho a killer forearm. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit. This was, I mean, like, the, the, the match between Jericho and Janela was very much a vector, a catalyst, if you will, intended to not be the actual focus of attention. That said, Janela gets his shit caved in. Oh, yeah. Which, like, he's good at doing, you know? Like, it was Janela. He goes through tables like it's having cold pizza for breakfast we've seen janela worse on like gcw shows on aew i don't think he's been shown this bad yet mm-hmm. yeah producer right to saying he died on the code breaker yeah he, jericho landed a perfect code breaker off janela trying to springboard into the ring mm-hmm. i also enjoyed afterwards there were some pictures going around social media of janela being treated in the back with sunny there so it's like they're not on dynamite yet, but they're getting there and they're getting exposure as a team. And that's important. Yeah, no, this is very good. Like I, it's important to note that you're at that, uh, orange Cassidy does have a Jansport backpack. <laughs> yes, he does. So he loses his sunglasses. There's a whole bunch of stuff that happens in this. Like it goes crazy. Orange Cassidy pulls out a bottle of the bubbly a little bit of the bubbly and pours it out and gives Jericho a thumbs down. Like it, it then he pulls out another pair of sunglasses from the Jansport. <laughs> it's like he was prepared. That's another one that's going to be interesting is this Mimosa Mayhem match. Because mm-hmm. like we said earlier, this is three months build up. So th- this is going to be a pretty big match to see come to a conclusion. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. So our next segment is a, uh, bunch of build up to the battle royal yeah it's initially team taz coming out to talk and then drake and lance come out and then eventually just everyone involved in the casino battle royal jumps in so you know it's a little preview of what to expect billy guns there i I really did enjoy this the first half of this segment is taz jake and eddie kingston Mm -hmm. cutting promos on each other it's wonderful. I loved it. It's amazing. I like the idea. Okay, so here's my thing. I think Eddie Kingston is setting himself up to betray the Butcher of the Blade and the Lucha Bros and take the win in this tournament. And get himself a... Second try at a title. He might not have been able to beat Cody, but like, I mean, he also wasn't really in Cody. He and Cody have different wrestling styles and everything like that. Yeah. He can really Eddie Kingston on Mox. I'll be honest, Eddie Kingston versus Mox would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I I would pay to see that. No problem as soon as it's announced. Mm-hmm. Also, Matt Cardona's I don't even work here, bro. <laughs> yeah, d- doing a video promo for the Dark Order taking on Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and Natural Nightmares. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Matt Cardona's like, I don't even work here and I'm going to kick your ass. 
So anyway, we have our next match, which is Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. Oh my gosh. Thunder Rosa is just incredible. Amazing. Like she she is the NWA women's champion right now. She beat Allison K for it. Also, Allison K got a shout out on this episode of Dynamite, which is amazing. I just appreciate the fact that AEW is so willing to like go out of their way to recognize like other promotions work with other promotions yeah this was a hell of a match like i think this might have been my highlight for the night so yeah you've got thunder rosa who's the nw women's champion and you've got serena deeb who was previously on tv for wwe Mm -hmm. she was part of the straight edge society and actually like an integral part of that storyline and she's she was a trainer I don't know for WWE or independently, but yeah, she's mainly been working as a trainer for the past while. It's just so good to let them have that they let them have a real match. Yeah, they gave them a lot of time with this, and I'm so glad they had almost ten minutes. Yep. So I saw some talk online about this, about how it was very oddly done for a squash match. It wasn't a squash. Yeah, to, to get Thunder Rosa over, but like, no, this wasn't a squash match. This was, this is something you would have seen on NWA Power. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just a regular Thunder Rosa match you would have seen before. And like, that makes it cooler. Yeah. You know, it builds her up better. It shows that she can persevere. It shows that she can work. It shows that she can work hard. She doesn't just steamroll a chump. She's got heart. She puts on a good match. Also, Mikey Ruckus really killed her theme song. Yes. Mikey Ruckus kills every theme song. <laughs> I know, but I got like definite Sepultura roots vibes from this one. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I love it. So, yeah, we get Moxley versus Smart Mark Sterling. This match is funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Mark gets thrown out of the tunnel at the start mm-hmm. by Wardlow. It was just. It was funny. I mean, like, it was a handshake, eye poke, paradigm shift, one, two, three. Yeah. In addition to a lot of physical comedy going on, it was... It was very Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. To bring things back to other very old comedy groups. It, it goes how you pretty much expect, where Moxley beats the lawyer, no problem, and then Wardlow jumps him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wardlow, by the way, looked very exacerbated having to deal with this whole situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then MJF comes out. He's got his walker. He's got his neck brace. And Kel Surprise. He's not actually injured. <laughs> Excellent use of French, Aaron. Thank you. Kel Surprise. So yeah, they, they beat up on Mox for the end of the show. And they hit him with the diamond ring. And here's the thing, though. is like, yeah, no, you, you got the paradigm shift banned for the pay-per-view. Moxley's gonna choke you the fuck out. Yeah, John Moxley is not someone to take lightly, even without the paradigm shift. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see how this plays out, because I still have that voice in the back of my mind that says, you know, MGF could win this. MGF is still undefeated singles competition. Yeah. Is this where they give him his first loss? Is this where he gets taken down a rung or two? Or do they just make him more obnoxious? I can see either happening, to be honest. Yeah. Aitsu, what's your prediction? 
It's one they can't predict. Oh my goodness. We've we've done it. <laughs> okay. Speaking of predictions, do you want to go down the pay-per-view card real quick? Uh, yeah, but first I want to talk about something. I want to talk about Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Oh boy. Vince has decided after AJ Styles went on Twitch and revealed that he had COVID that WWE performers are now no longer allowed to perform under their own human names on third-party platforms. That means no more Twitch, no more Cameo, no more YouTube, anything like that. TikTok, all that stuff. Because AJ Styles decided to run his mouth and tell the world that he had COVID. Because, you know, WWE won't do anything responsibly and just let people know. WWE lets their talent get infected with something that kills like 6% of the people who get infected. How many WWE talent need to get infected before someone fucking dies for Vince to do something? And by something, I don't mean banning them from third-party platforms where they can monetize themselves. This is... He doesn't give them health insurance. He doesn't... They don't have collective bargaining agreements. They don't have a union. They don't have shit. They're all independent contractors with a no-compete clause. And he... You know what? If I were Xavier Woods, I'd fucking leave. He would be such a hero in aew but more to the point that motherfucker definitely makes bank off of his youtube channel he definitely makes bank off of twitch he could easily live off of that that's what miro's doing that's what miro's doing except for that time he got banned for 24 hours what did he say when he got banned for 24 hours lana showed up in a bikini on twitch <laughs> yeah i mean like twitch puritanism aside I really feel like that's not worth a 24-hour ban. No, it's honestly not. Justice for Miro. I mean, he's back now, so... I, I know, but he still deserves justice. Um, anyway, like, it's just such a... To control the lives of people who you don't even employ. People you contract. Saying, if you contract with us, you cannot contract anywhere else. You can't... I'm pretty sure that's not like even remotely legally enforceable for a 1099 contractor like you can have non-competes where they can't compete in or they can't work for like similar businesses and stuff like that that's fine whatever but controlling their ability to make like content on you like killing Oscar's youtube channel killing up up down down which like you know i don't know maybe the millions from vince are worth it depends how easy it is really and how much longer you got on it. Really, if, if i be honest, it depends on how much longer you see yourself as a wrestler, too. Yeah. Like, the whole Up Up Down Down network relies partly, its success relies partly on the fact that it is WWE performers, and you get WWE performers on Up Up Down Down. At the same time, Austin Creed is literally part of Acquisitions Incorporated. He could get the nerd money instead of the mark money it's right there for him i don't get it vince is terrible throw the whole man out restart and fucking let them have a union okay so the match on the buy-in has changed actually is it 
because now Big Swole and Britt Baker are on the main program. Oh. That that happened earlier wow. today. So on the pre-show, we've got wow. Private Party taking on Alex Reynolds and John Silver of the Dark Order. So Private Party is going to beat Silver and Reynolds. That's what I'm thinking, yes. Okay, that's that's that sounds like a that sounds like a buy-in. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a fun match. I'll enjoy it. Okay, so let's start off Jurassic Express versus the Bucks of Youth. I want Jurassic Express to win. I want them to get that push. But will they? I really freaking hope so. Okay. I predict with my heart, so I'm going to say Jurassic Express. I'm going to say the Young Bucks. Okay. Broken rules match. Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Loser gets deleted or whatever. Yeah, if Matt Hardy loses, he leaves AEW. Is the same stipulation in effect for Sammy? No. Matt Hardy wins. That's what I'm thinking. I feel a little bad that to see Sammy losing this, even though he is the heel in the feud. It's like he is the younger guy who could really use the legitimacy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Sammy, because I can. You've consistently predicted Sammy in matches he's lost, though. I am a huge Sammy Mark, and I don't feel bad about that. So I feel very safe in picking Matt Hardy because you picked Sammy. (laughs) He does tend to get his ass kicked a lot. (laughs) Okay, The Dark Order versus Cardona, Sky, and Los Nightmares Natural. Dark Order. They're on too much of a hot streak to slow down now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Dark Order and they're pinning QT. Who gets distracted by Allie. Probably. Okay. Casino Battle Royale, we've already predicted. Yeah, we, we have said Eddie Kingston. We don't know who the wild card is going to be yet, though, because we won't find that out until the match is just about over. Who do they bring in as a wild card, then? I mean, the wild card last time was Orange Cassidy. No, the wild card last time was Adam Page. Right, and then Orange Cassidy showed up anyway. He just showed He just walked in. He, he wasn't part of the match. He just walked in. Yeah, it, it was a big thing then because Adam Page had an injury put on him by Pac. Right. Yeah, I don't I, I It could be anyone. Anyone not listed already for the 21 Casino Battle Royal. Yeah, I think just looking over the list, I think Eddie Kingston is like the biggest individual name I mm-hmm. see here. Unless maybe Sean Spears really steals the spotlight. What if the fucking... I mean, I don't know if how travel is from the UK, but Producer Aitsu has pointed out what if the uh, wild card is Pac. That has been a rumor going around that Pac might be able to get in on this. I can't guess on that because it's too much of a variable. I'm going to put it into Eddie Kingston, though. I think Eddie Kingston is the right person to have win this. Women's Championship, Hikaru Shida versus Thunder Rosa. Shida, Shida wins. Yep, definitely. You don't bring in outside talent and have them take the belts. It just don't happen. I want to know if Shida wins, does she get an NWA women's title match when power comes back? That's a good question. I think that'd be really cool to see. I would like to see more Thunder Rosa, though, so I will be watching, despite my objections to NWA, having previously employed Jim Cornette. Yeah, you can skip over that part, really. Jim Cornette's a fucking racist. He's a piece of shit. Fuck that guy. Yep. Fuck his philosophy on wrestling. Let people have fun, asshole. Okay. Tag team tournament, or tag team title. (laughs) Could lead to a tag team tournament. 
quick tag team title hang mega versus ftr ftr it's a toss-up for me whatever the outcome there will be shenanigans yes of course there will it's gonna be the weirdest wackiest match of the night i take that back because the mimosa mayhem matches the next match on the card yeah but who are you saying for this one i really think it's kenny and hangman okay I think there's going to be a significant amount of weirdness and interference that happens. Okay. I think they win because, I mean, they re- they retain. They don't win. Okay, that is an important distinction. So it's a DQ. Okay, that'll be... There's only been one DQ in AEW so far, and that was in an Iron Man match. I, I think that'd be interesting to see. I'm still going to say FDR. Okay. Uh, Jericho and Orange Cassidy in the Mimosa Mayhem match. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy. The Mox versus MJF, we've already determined we can't guess. No, that that is... I, I can't. The Tooth and Nail match. The Tooth and Nail match. That got moved up to the main program, which is Britt Baker taking on Big Swole in a dentist office. Balls count anywhere, no DQ. So, uh, there's thought that it could be very cinematic. Yeah. Which would be the first women's cinematic match which is historic oh historical that would be awesome i think brit wins this one i think so too yeah it's her it's her big match back i I think she's gonna get the win here Mm -hmm. okay aaron your recommendations for this week i uh have something very special okay this is cowboy carl davis versus terry mcginnis what year did this match air? This match is from 1940. <laughs> Cat is not abused at my black and white wrestling. That's 80 years ago, Aaron. So, this match could be recreated on any card, and it would not be out of place. What This is just a very striking heavy match with some holds and some after-the-match shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying with this is in the hundred year history of pro wrestling, it's all fucking fake and it hasn't fucking changed. So fucking enjoy it. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, uh, my recommendation is I swear to God, y'all better watch Polycult Party 2. $10 IWTV subscription, but it's not even there. It's free on Twitch. (laughs) Get the IWTV subscription anyway. That too. That's my other one. Yeah, we should get a promo code. <laughs> okay. I think that's all we have to talk about this week after two and a half hours <laughs> and a lot of tangents. This one was our most chaotic episode so far, I think. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm going to... There's going to be so much cut out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, thank you all so very much for coming tonight, which coming tonight is a mineral that is starting to coming from Massachusetts. Anyway... Thank you all very much again for coming. This has been a genuine pleasure. I've enjoyed how weird this has gotten. <laughs> it's great. I love it. In the meantime, as we say at the end of every single one of these, I'm going to need to get mirror shades. <laughs> yes, you are. Be gay. Mwah. And do crimes. Bang. <laughs>
Marking Out with My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. I'm going to start recording. That's a good idea. Hello, recording. Hello, listeners. This is your host and game master, Kat. On this week's Check with Dice... Ah! There's more of a... Get ready to cry. We sure fucking did. I would like to note that I have not cried because of that. That's not true. I cried once because of that episode, but it was after we recorded. All three of you were crying during the recording. Shut up.